All right, if you all have your Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 4 through 7. On the front of your songbook, there is a prayer. We're going to sing that, and then I'm going to read this text, and then we'll, we'll dive into it. Pray this with me. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ led by the Holy Spirit as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 4 through 7. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offense to rest. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set. In many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Uh, This text actually makes me think of uh, a couple of other texts more than this actual one. And believe it or not, the commentaries on this one were really sparse. And so it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with where the Holy Spirit's been leading. And so one that it reminds me of, uh, one text that this text in particular reminds me of is Psalms 113. So I know I've uh, preached Psalm 113, but I've been praying for this uh, Psalm 113 for a long time, and it's meant different things at different times. But this one means a lot to me in particular um, there, there's, a, there's probably 10 Psalms that have like a real deep meaning connected to them. And every time I pray them, it just means a lot. Not only that, Psalm 113 is one of my favorite Gunger songs. Uh, they, they sing this one as well. And so it's just one of those things. But it's a question that I also meditate on all the time. The question is this, who is like our God? Who is like our God? And the, the answer is a rhetorical one, and the answer is no one. And as we keep gazing at Jesus, as we keep looking to him and we saying, who is like our God? We get to say no one is like our God. Because as I was thinking about this week, I couldn't help but think about this prayer and the implications that it has for our lives. But Psalm 13, 5 through 9 says this, who is like the Lord our God? who is seated on high, who looks, who looks far down on heavens and earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. And this is one prayer for the last year that I have prayed with a a renewed fervor and why I think it means so much that he, he raises the poor from dust. He makes them sit with the princes of his people. I need this for me. I need this for you. And I, I expect that God is going to do this and we need this from him. But the last verse here, it gives that God gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. This one is met, uh, meant a lot, and, and this happens because when we were in Yellowstone Hot Springs back in uh, May of 2021, Mo and I got to pray for a woman 
who at the one time at the time she had one child but they were desperately trying and had been trying for years to have another child and i said that's why god brought us to you is so that we can pray for you because we believe that god is going to give you a child and she wanted another child so bad and so we we talked to her a lot about this and and god had asked us to pray for her anoint her with oil and pray for her that god might open her her womb and i was like while we're at it, do you want a boy or a girl? She said, we want a girl. And I said, well, we'll pray for that. And so every time I came, every month I would come to Psalm 113, I've prayed this prayer for her. And I've been like, Lord, I just believe that you do this. I believe that you're going to do it. We, I was in, in, in the praying for this. I would just pray it. He gives a barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children, not just child, but like in addition to that. And I've been begging this God to give her a, a daughter because I believe God wanted to give her one. And we got a call about a month ago letting us know that she now has a daughter. And it's one of those things when, when, we got, when we got this call from her, I'm not sure if she remembers uh, that we prayed for her. I'm assuming that she does. Um, I'm not sure if she gives God the glory because it wasn't an immaculate conception. Like, I don't know how this works for her. But I know this. God saw this woman, had mercy on her, and gave her a daughter. And in that, I say, who is like our God? No one. He can take a barren womb and make it fruitful again. Only God can do that. Who is like our God? And I know that this doesn't have a ton to do with the text today, but maybe sometimes that's how Scripture works. It brings to mind something that God wants us to meditate on, even if it's not the text right in front of us. Sometimes it brings up questions that we need to ponder for our own soul's sake And in that, we get to ponder those. Our mind can wander where the Spirit is leading us. And my prayer for us is that God would take this tiny church and do something with it. It would be a big surprise that God can do big things at this tiny church. That God can lift us from the ash heap and make make princes out of his people. And the crazy thing is, I know that he can. So you know what we get to do? We get to keep praying. In this bit of Ecclesiastes, we get a proverb about how to deal with those in authority over us. We, it would, we would be wise to hear these words and heed them. And it's good, um, let me put it this way. This text essentially says, it's good not to answer angry, uh, anger directed towards you with anger of your own. Especially if that person is someone in authority over you. And not many of us here actually have bosses. I was thinking about this as I was writing this. I was like, and some of us maybe don't have bosses because uh, we would not, as this text so wisely suggests, um, be able to reciprocate bosses the same way <laughs> that this would. It's like, we, we, and I'm talking about myself here. I, uh, I don't want to do a raise your hand if you've ever uh, had a boss uh, get mad at you and yell at you, and so you raised your voice back at them. I'm not going to have us raise hands, but I know that there's at least two of us in here. <laughs> at least two of us. So I know I'm not alone. But, but those who have bosses know that it would be a wise thing that if a boss comes down on you, if a boss corrects you, a boss gets frustrated with you 
for the direction that you took in a project that they've assigned to you, or uh, um, it's not a good idea to tell your boss of their flaws in that moment, in that time. It's a, t- it's a time, <laughs> yeah, you know this in being a kid. Kids know this, right? If your mom or dad are upset with you in that moment, is that the time to be like, wait a second, I thought you said it's not okay to yell. Is that the time to raise your voice? No, it's not. That's what this is saying. It, 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 it's not a good time to tell the flaws in that moment. It's not the best time to remind them. This will only do what? All kids know this. It will only, and we as adults sometimes forget it, but it will only make the bosses more angry and it will not give you peace. Or um, if you're employed, it will not give you longevity in your employment if you continue to do this, right? And it, it is not good to trade harsh words for harsh words. It's not good to match anger with more anger. This does not... Uh, this does not uh, work well for us. It does not help us prove uh, our point ever if we match anger with anger. Like, let's say we were right and uh, it, it won't help that thing. And it won't help point to the integrity. Even when we are correct and those in authority over us are wrong, we don't need to leave our place is what this scripture tells us. That means that we can stand in our own integrity, knowing that what, what is being said is not the truth, but it is a lie. We don't have to defend ourselves or prove how right we are, let alone match the tone and frustration of those who rise up against us because we get to rest in calmness. We get to rest in calmness. And this resting in calmness strikes me as a funny thought because when somebody comes against me, the first thing I think is not calmness. It's, there's stuff going on. It's not necessarily a calmness on the inside when someone's upset with you, when some leader or someone uh, comes at you. It can create turmoil, right? If we're being honest with ourselves. And when in these times, when these times come, when somebody gets... When somebody comes against us, we get to take these words. We need to consider them in humility, lay them before the Lord, and let God speak into it. And who knows what the person is saying may even be right in what they say, even if they didn't say it correctly. The Holy Spirit might use them to bring some sort of correction that will help us in our life to following Jesus. But as we lay these things down before the Lord and consider them, there are also times when we get to just stand in the truth of our own integrity, knowing that the accusations are false. um, But we, we try when we try to prove or defend ourselves, it wouldn't be helpful necessarily either. We get to stay put in this integrity that God has and don't leave that integrity in in writing this this morning, I was thinking about how many uh, people have been arrested and they're like, just plea out this deal. And they're like, no, I'm not going to. No, just plea it out and we'll give you, you know, X amount of time. But if you get found guilty, then you get more time heaped on. And then how in this, like many uh, innocent man and woman have, have served more time because they were standing in their integrity. But with patience and life that is lived in the integrity that God gives us, maybe the ruler will be persuaded of our values and recognize us as one who does their best to live out what they say. 
If we fight, if we fight with our words, something worse may happen. But if we fight with a soft tongue, with one that doesn't go out rebuking but is, is gentle, maybe that will break the heart of those who come against us. It's not good to make those in authority over us mad, is it? But sometimes they're mad anyway. And this is just a little bit of truth in our world. In this text, the teacher tells us that there is evil in this world. That there's folly in high places, the rich in low places, slaves on horses, and princes that walk like slaves. And when I meditate on this text, I can't help but think of God's, uh, I think Angie last week called it God's unshakable and unbound kingdom. I think those are the words that you used. And it makes me think of the reverse order of that, that God oftentimes employs to describe his kingdom. The one in which we pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this may not necessarily be exactly what this text is speaking, but this is where my heart instantly went when I read this, was to Psalms 113, where God is taking things and it's flipping it on his head. And then it also reminded me of this prayer that we have, Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart. And the Lord's prayer that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus brought this kingdom that we are praying for. Again, this is what this text makes me think. Rulers, there are rulers who are fools, right? There are rich that are made low, and there are slaves that are above princes. Or we could even say it this way, there are times when the least will be the greatest. There are times when the least will be the greatest. God's kingdom has this revolutionary way to us that will, if we allow it to, it'll shock us. It'll wake us up to the reality of who he is and what he is doing in our life. And his kingdom is inaugurated by his death, burial, and resurrection, which, by the way, is not an ordinary thing of doing things, not an ordinary way of doing things. I know we talk about this every week, but we have to remember the shockingness of this. Jesus brought this kingdom that we are praying for, that we get to live into, not by fighting, not by defending himself, but by putting, by allowing those who are coming against him to put him on a cross and dying. He took our sins, our incompleteness, our imperfections, and he traded it for his wholeness. He nailed the record of every wrong we've ever done, and he pinned it to the cross, and he said, no more, it's clean. This is not normal stuff. This is not what rulers and leaders and authority do. Jesus gives us new life through his life. Jesus doesn't just die. He rises and the kingdom that we get to live into doesn't have a dead savior, but a risen one that is alive and walking with us and doing life with us. We focus on the cross a light. Uh, we focus on the cross a lot. Rightfully so. But we also live in light of the resurrection. And I think that this is absolutely crazy. Jesus, who died on a cross, didn't stay dead, but he rose again to give us new life. 
We live in light of that resurrection. And this means we live into the power that God has for us to rise us from, from death to life. And we live as a part of a kingdom that doesn't make sense or, or, or to human understanding. I was thinking about this. God can do the absurd. He can do the illogical. We live in a world where we have those with low integrity and they can climb to high places while those with the most integrity are left jobless. Is that not true? We are in a place where power and might rule. And yet we live, we are called to live in humility considering our fellow human beings better than ourselves. Because our great Savior, Jesus, considered himself better than us. He modeled this for us. God can do crazy things. Amen? He can do crazy things. He can take property from the wicked and give it to the righteous. Um, I don't know how many know this, but there was a, there was a time at, in service a number of years ago, I think it was probably 2018, where uh, um, that, that God told me, he said, pray that I will take property from the wicked and give it to the righteousness. And I've been praying this for about four years. And I was always, and I've prayed it pretty consistently for that four years. And I don't fully like understand. I've never understood exactly what I'm praying for until most recently I've seen it in with freedom's promise in Poi Pet, Cambodia. Um, we were a part of the a prayer team about a month ago now. And it was one of those things where the land that they wouldn't have been able to purchase if it were not for God's provision, the land where this land was owned by the wicked and now is owned by the righteous. It was owned by those who wanted to just do um, and make their own money and, and do all that kind of stuff. And then it was taken from them and given to the, into the hands of those who want to work for and with the will of God. And when I saw that property on a video that they displayed, the Holy Spirit told me, this is what you've been praying for. That I would take the property from the wicked and give it to the righteous. I had no idea that this is what I was praying for, but I'm grateful to know. I had no idea about that property. I had no idea about that project. And I'm grateful to know that God can do crazy things. And it's interesting because you guys know me and I, I guess I could stop being shy about it, but I believe this so much that it's a core part of who I am and how I believe in Jesus. In fact, I'm often surprised when Jesus doesn't do the miraculous because uh, more than I'm surprised at him in doing it. I've just seen it time and time again. In this kingdom life that we get to live, we, uh, we have uh, the humility to know the one who has the power. We have a God who works in wonders and miracles. We have a God who the, who the poor get to proclaim his good news. And there is, a, and I, I think of this as the poor proclaiming the good news. There is a need that the poor have that is very real. That they need Jesus at every moment of every day. And we get to be reminded of that. 
We get to be reminded of that. We have the, in this, we have the lowly sing out about a resurrected king who's coming to rule and reign. And while we claim that, that uh, while the wise of this world claim that the government or social programs will save us, when we know that it is Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection who's coming to save us and whose kingdom cannot be shaken. And we believe this so much. I love that, I love that in the Gospels it tells us about the, the first person to sing about the resurrection of Jesus was a woman. A woman so lowly that her own friends didn't even believe her. She was the first one that told us that Jesus is alive and we get to believe her proclamation that Jesus is alive and that we can find our life in him. I, I'll be honest, I, I've had this prayer for a long time, but I pray that this church, that we can see more signs and wonders and point to just how crazy God's love is for us. And you guys know this. I, again, I'm, I'm done uh, being shy about this stuff to a certain extent, probably because Jim rebuked me. He said, you don't preach like a charismatic. And I'm like, I'm a crazy charismatic. I believe God can do these amazing things. In fact, you guys know this. I believe that God will give Mo and I a house. I believe that God will give grace and mercy a permanent building where roots will grow deep down and be a blessing for many. I pray that God will sustain us and provide for our every need, and I trust that he will. That he might do it in a way where he can only take credit for it. I'm not saying he does this in our timeline, right? He's working on our hearts. He's working in our lives. He's doing some things there but I pray that we will witness more. That we will witness more healings that Jesus will do. That as people uh, sing, that they may experience freedom that is only found in Christ. I pray that we will see prisoners set free. Not just from prisoners from their own sin and their own shame, but actual prisoners set free from prison. Hopefully it's the innocent and the repentant, right? (laughs) Uh, But I I also believe that we're going to see and pray into that we are going to see addicts freed from addiction. Which if you look around this area, that's a big deal. I pray that we can hear the prophecies of children, have the ears to hear them, that God will speak into them and, and watch those who are called disabled teach us how to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because they're some of the best at it. And as crazy as some of this may sound, this is the type of thing that we can ask for and that we can accept because this kingdom is like this. Because God has done it all before and he can do it in our midst. So I would ask you, I'd leave you with this. Who is like our God? No one. What kingdom is like his? None. And so in that, may we live in the light of God's crazy, unshakable, and unbound kingdom. And may we expect to see great things from him in this life and beyond. So will you guys pray with me? Father, we are seeking you and your kingdom with a whole heart. Lord, we are attempting to fear you and to keep our commandments. Let our life be found in your resurrection. 
in light of your resurrection. Let us, Lord, walk as the Holy Spirit is teaching us to walk and expect these things and lift them up before you. And Lord, let us see them. In Jesus' name, amen.